So we are continuing in our series um, on the Beatitudes. And Jesus, uh, his first sermon, we're, we're dissecting or talking through Jesus' first sermon when he kind of lays out, okay, guys, here I am. This is what I'm here for. And I am bringing understanding to some of the confusion that's been for the last several thousand years. You've done your best to understand as, as uh, I and the Father have laid out the plan of redemption. Uh, we've pointed to me this entire time, but many of you have missed it. And I want to make it clear what it means to be in the kingdom of the Father, what it means to follow me, what it means to see and be loved by God and to love God. So I want to make that really clear to you. So, and he lays this all out here. So we talked uh, over the last few weeks about it's a little bit like uh, being on a monkey bars and you start with the first ring and you get your momentum up as you push off that first ring so that you can grab the next ring and your momentum carries you and then you can grab the third and, and your momentum keeps going until you just you lose momentum or you slip or you miss or you're not swinging fast enough and you aren't able to make it. To get back on, you have to drop down and start back at the first ring again to, and keep going. And build up your muscle strength to be able to hold your body weight as you move from ring to ring. So the first beatitude is that first ring, blessed are the poor in spirit. I taught a couple weeks on it. If you want to go back and listen to those, they are available on our podcast and also on our Facebook page. And give more understanding. That is the first ring that you get on, humility and recognizing that you need a savior. And so that's the first one on, and that brings you to the table where you can begin to receive all the blessings that Jesus has for you. That relationship, especially, that's the main blessing that you receive is the relationship with Jesus. We're going to talk about the second ring or the second beatitude today, which is Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So the first ring that you got on was humility, was recognizing I'm poor in spirit. And the second one goes and begins to deal with your heart, to get your heart in the right place so that you can continue on with this journey. It's, uh, it's not a club you join, Christianity. It's not an organization that you join. It is a life relationship with Jesus that begins first recognizing, Jesus, I need you. And then second, beginning to deal with the issues of my heart that keep me from connecting and being in relationship with you. So it, dealing with the issues of our heart is absolutely important to actually have this relationship with Jesus. It'd be kind of like getting... Um, Getting married, which would be the first one. Hey, I realize I need to get married because there's a lot of benefits of marriage. So I get married and then I and my spouse never deal with any heart issues. Well, I don't know how you can live together and not deal with heart issues. When you have conflict of culture. I don't know if you've realized it or not, but when you are in a relationship with someone, you have conflict of culture. And by culture, I mean you have your family culture and they have their family culture, and those two cultures conflict. They're going to. Even if you grew up in similar backgrounds, like uh, my family, I, I grew up in a small Midwestern town. Uh, my dad um, is, uh, grew up, uh, is from the area, is from the German immigrants who came over from Switzerland to have religious freedom in the 1800s. So my dad and his dad and his mom are Swiss all the way back, like to the 1500s. 
Mom is from uh, Mississippi and Alabama, and her relatives are completely different. They're uh, uh, English, Scottish, Irish, American Indian. There's a whole mixture of, of that and a whole Southern culture. You know, Southern culture and Northern culture are completely different. So, uh, yeah, they are. So, Nothing bad, they just are, they're different. And so there was a mixture of cultures in my house that was different than the culture that was in my aunts and uncles because my aunts and uncles were mostly all Swiss, German, uh, Amish, uh, belief type, Anabaptist, church going, and my mom was holiness Pentecostal. So it added this really unique swirl in my family. And then in Jill's family, her, her mom is a full Swiss uh, background, her, her grandpa and her grandma were both Swiss all the way back. Eight, from 1800s, they came over, and you go back from there, you're, you're getting to the same area of Switzerland that my, my dad's mom and dad were from. You know, so you get that same. So, and her dad was a, a little bit different, kind of like my mom, kind of more of a mix of, of cultures and heritage. And I tell you that to mean that even though Jill and I both have the same similar Swiss and religious background, upbringing in that, there were still considerable differences between my family and her family. The way we handled things, the way we talked things through, the way we valued what we valued, what we didn't value. Both of us grew up Midwestern. Both of us grew up small town. Both of us grew up with a heavy uh, apostolic Christian church influence in our families. Both of these things happened, but there were significant differences that we had to work through. And I had to decide... Am I willing to give up this culture to be in relationship with my wife? Or am I going to fight for the culture that I understand this is the way you do it and it, it's just the way it is and we ain't changing? And I tell you that because when you have these heart issues, when you're in relationship with Jesus, you are going to conflict with Jesus' culture. And there will be things where you realize Jesus ain't this way. And this is normal to me because this is the way mama did it, this is the way grandma did it, or this is the way daddy did it, or this is the way my family's done it, or this is, this is American. But this ain't Jesus. And he hits these buttons, and we have to realize at that point that it's not just me going, yes, Jesus, I need you, and you're my Savior, I receive it, hallelujah, and there's no change. The morning takes place where I begin to realize and see my difference of culture is affecting my life, is hurting me, is affecting those around me, it's hurting me. It is bringing death not only to me, but it's bringing death to those around me, bringing death to my area, to my region, to my nation, bringing death to the world, and I recognize it, and I mourn over it. And my heart changes, and I begin to reflect and have the culture of Jesus, not the culture of Bachtolds, Myers, Stroms, Ramsires. McCarters, Ailers, all the different heritages that came into our lives. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In the Old Testament, it was predominantly God was on the mountain, Deuteronomy 4, kind of the picture of God. Imagine him at the top of the mountain, the, the thunderstorm, the lightning, the, the rumble, the roar, so much that Moses even said that he's uh, afraid. And it's that image of God, big, distant, powerful, foreign, ugh, 
And then here you get to Jesus, God Almighty, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, coming before you and he's saying, guys, here I am. I desire to bless you. This is how you walk in my blessing. It's a complete cultural change in their perception of God. And Jesus says, this is the true way. You solace that, but you solace that out of your flesh because you did not have relationship. You didn't understand. I'm using us because of the triune. You didn't understand the Godhood that we are. You don't understand us, so you couldn't receive our love. It was dangerous to you because of your hearts. Your hearts were not in a place to receive our love, so you saw our love as dangerous, as violent. But Jesus said, in actuality, here we are, we're, we're blessings. You can see my love, you can feel my love, and Jesus went around doing good. Healing the sick, raising the dead, setting people free, releasing the de demoniacs, changing lives. So there's, that's the difference. And so Jesus says, okay, I want to show you what this is. And it begins first by having being poor in spirit, and it follows by then mourning and going through the process of mourning. Now, there's three kinds, of, three kinds of mourning that I need to clarify just to make sure you're thinking the right, same thing I'm thinking. There is the natural mourning when we lose someone or, or something that God has given us. It's a normal process. It's who we are. Jesus wept at the death of uh, Lazarus. It's, it's normal. And that is not what I'm talking about. That is not what this beatitude is talking about. Except to the degree of the promise that Jesus sees you in your mourning, he understands you, and he will comfort your heart and lead you through the process of mourning that you walk through when you lose someone you love or you lose something that the Lord has given you and you have to lay it down, okay? The second type of mourning is what I would call more the uh, sinful or the fleshly type of mourning. And you can see it in 2 Corinthians 7.10 where it talks about basically where you are pining for fleshly things because I, I want this and the Lord says I can't have it. And you go through a process of mourning where you're pining for it and it's like, well, you know, I don't like this spouse you gave me and I just want the freedom and the, you know, or... Um, you know, why do they always have the nice cars, but you never give me the nice car? Or, man, I wish I could just live somewhere different. You know, it's fleshly stuff. And the Lord says, I'm not going to honor that. There's no comfort in that. There is just stop. You're acting like a two-year-old child, and you need to stop. You need to grow up. I mean, it, it, I love you, but you're not going to get past this and come into my blessing until you stop the whining. And that is the love of the Lord. And that could be painful, especially when we're in the midst of that, and we're like, but I need this whining because I, I feel this whining, and I need to express this whining. And sometimes there's, uh, everybody's like getting drunk from all the wine. I didn't have my jokes today, so I've got to throw one in every now and then. But it isn't beneficial to us. And so the Lord says, you really, this is sinful. You need to let this go. You need to move past this, this type of mourning. And the third mourning would be uh, what we're going to talk about this morning. And that is the sorrow over our sins. Because I recognize the pain that they inflict on myself, the death that they bring. I recognize what 
my sin has done to those around me. I recognize my sin, uh, our family's sin, what it did. I recognize, um, and it just goes on from there, how it hurts the heart of Jesus. Because Jesus has these wonderful plans for us, this love for us that he loves to express. He has these great ideas for us, wonderful things that he has for us, healing. But sometimes our sin gets in the way and hinders his ability to gift us these things that he has to give us. And that sin hurts his heart because he wants to bless. It's like you go back into the book of uh, Genesis chapter 6 where it talks about Noah. I don't know if you've ever seen it before where it said the heart of the Lord was wounded and he decided the only thing he had to do was he had to uh, kill all of mankind and start over with Moses or start over with Noah I'm sorry I'm mixing my Bible studies and it hurt the heart of the Lord it's what it says there in the Hebrew it hurt the heart of the Lord and the reason being is because he wanted to bring redemption but there was no one looking no one able it wasn't like Isaiah where Isaiah said, here I am, send me. There was no one. He chose Noah and he said, Noah, I'm going to do this. He picked Noah so that there would continue to be a line. But I can't necessarily say that Noah was righteous. He was righteous in the fact that he heard the Lord and he followed and obeyed. But Noah didn't cry out and say, oh Lord, is there no way to bring redemption upon all these nations? It didn't pass him. It was just get in the boat or, or you're gone. The understanding of mercy wasn't there yet. It would be revealed greater and greater as time went on, but Noah didn't have it. And so the Lord did what he had to do so that you could know Jesus. Ring number two on this monkey bars that we're swinging on, the second beatitude, is pretty critical in our walk with the Lord. You can't bypass it. You can try to jump from ring one to ring three, but it just doesn't work. Uh, they're far enough placed out that it's impossible to do that. You have to go through ring two, and if you never go through ring two, you don't get anywhere. You're just swinging on ring one, and then you drop off, and then you're like, oh, yes, I need a savior. Okay, you're back on ring one, and you're just swinging. It's not a lot of fun. Ring two is critical because it changes us from the posture of being a victim to being guilty. Ooh. Ring one, you can, oh yeah, this sin, it's, it's beat me up, Lord. I'm a victim of this sin that I find, and I need a Savior. Thank you, Jesus, that you saved me from all this sin that others threw on me. Everything my parents did, everything my family did, everything, you, know, you understand? I'm a victim of the sin. Well, ring number two causes you to deal with the fact that you're the sinner. And that means I need to change. Jesus. All I need is the membership card that I can show the St. Peter when I get to the pearly gates. Oh, I'm with Jesus. And he's like, oh, great. Come on in. VIP. No, it doesn't work that way. It changes us from a posture of being a victim to being guilty. And it positions our heart to be able to enter into the third ring or the third beatitude, which is meekness. I can't be meek because a meek is a turning over of your heart to the Lord if I don't realize my heart is bad. I don't need a Lord, ring three, beatitude three. I don't need somebody telling me what to do because I'm perfectly fine myself. 
See, you can be on, on that first one, poor in spirit. Yeah, Jesus, I'm poor. We're not going to touch my heart, but I'm poor, and I need, some, I need your blessing to put in my pockets. And yeah, it's okay. You just keep your, your, your plans to yourself. I'll do what I want to do because I'm perfectly fine. I just need you to give me more resources so I can do what I want to do. Give me your blessings, Lord. Ooh, Philippians 4.13, I'll take that one. Ooh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ooh, yes, God always loves me. I'll take that one and put that one in my pocket as well. Getting all these resources for this first beatitude. I'm poor in spirit. Now, I'm, Jesus is just filling it. Isn't Jesus wonderful? What do you want me? No, no, no. no I'm not going to do that. It's okay, Jesus. I, I'm perfectly fine doing what, what I know to do because you've given me your love, you know. Ring two causes us to deal with the areas of our heart that are bad. I don't want to be on ring one for the rest of my life. I realize, you know, as being raised in a Christian home, thank God, thank you, Jesus, may everybody be raised in a Christian home. I was introduced to Jesus all the time, and I think I prayed the sinner prayer probably from the age of eight to the age of 12, probably weekly, you know. TV was on all the time. Mom watched, uh, you know, PTL and TBN and uh, Billy Graham, and I was dragged to a GLOW meetings. GLOW is the uh, Full Gospel Businessmen. Their wives got together and did a GLOW meetings. Uh, I was a, a dragged to Full Gospel Businessmen Association meetings, dragged to church, you know, and it was... Uh, it was salvation all the time. So I prayed. I got on ring number one. I got in, I blessed are the poor in spirit, from the age of 8 to 12, probably weekly. But I never went to the second one. And from 12 to 15, I entered that stage where I was just like, I don't know if I really, it just like God was there, way over there somewhere. I knew he existed, but it didn't mean anything into my life. I was beginning to grow and understand and face reality and stuff like that. At the age of 15, I was confronted with my sin. And I sat on the back pew of the church, not to mean anything to you guys back there, but that's just where I was sitting. Hey, the Holy Spirit was there where I was sitting. So I sat on the very back pew of church, and every week for six weeks, I wept. And I wept because of two things. One, I saw my brokenness, my sin, and I felt his love in the midst of my brokenness. And it was like an invitation to me, and I kept saying to it, Lord, can you really do something with all of this crap? I don't mean to mean, use a bad word, but all of this junk, you know, in reality, this is where my heart is, Lord. Can you really do something with this life? And his love just, yes, yes, trust me, give it to me type. And for six weeks... So I didn't have a uh, pray this sinner prayer, answer this altar call experience and follow. It wasn't like that. It was just like a six-week period, and I've never stopped running toward Jesus because I know my junk, and I know Jesus. That was my experience of moving through ring two, and I keep coming back to it. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't a one-time occurrence. Just this week, I had an instance where I was on ring two, and I was like, I don't like being here. I don't like dealing with the things in my heart that bubble up now and then. I want to just be holy and not have to deal with this anymore. But the Lord brings stuff up and you're like, okay, Lord, I'm confronted with where my heart is and I need your forgiveness. Would, would you forgive me? 
I am sorry that my heart is... No excuses, no blaming others, no blaming this or blaming that. It's just, this is my heart. The second beatitude is critical because without it, all we really do have, and I've mentioned this a little bit earlier, all we have is just a club. If there isn't the mourning and the heart change, then it's, hey, sign your name on the club membership that you accepted Jesus, you recognize you're poor, you're welcomed into the club, all the benefits are here, here's your club benefits, we love seeing you, but that's the extent that it goes. If we don't move into the mourning on a regular basis as the Lord leads us and dealing with the areas of heart, we don't change. Because mourning is the place where we actually are conformed, begin to at that step of conforming into Jesus, looking like Jesus. There's no difference between us and the world. We just go to this club that meets weekly and does weird things. So what does this look like? What is this, this second beatitude? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What does it look like? I think the first thing is, is uh, us seeing and recognizing and facing the pain that our individual sin has caused. And no one likes to do that, but it's critical to do that. It's not an outward action. And I'm not talking about weeping. And it, it, it isn't. This word actually, uh, those who mourn, blessed are those who mourn, isn't wailing and crying and things like that. It is a downward cast of the head. Blessed are those who mourn is actually what the word means. Because I recognize, wow, oh man. It comes out of humility. You can't do anything to get it. It's beginning to be honest with the Lord and he graciously brings us to seasons in our lives where he requires greater honesty out of us. And he puts his finger on stuff and he says, okay, now is the time for you to deal with this. And if you notice, I've loved you for the last 20 years when you still did that and I've, I've continued to love you, but now is the time when we're going to deal with this. And you're like, ooh, and we shortchange ourselves or we stop ourselves by making excuses like, well, I'm not hurting anyone, or I'm only hurting myself, or at least I'm not da-da-da-da-da, or, you know, God understands, or I can't help myself, whatever this area is. You know, whether it's an actual sin that you're walking out, whatever that would be, an addiction or something, but, but often it's the attitudes of our heart. Because the outward action sins reflect to an attitude of our heart. And if you speak to the attitude of the heart, the outward action sin probably will disappear. There may be some fleshly retraining afterwards, but it will be a lot easier because the attitude of your heart changes. There's a trap you can get into where you are working on your actions, but your heart has not changed. And when you work on your actions, but yet your heart has not changed... All you're doing is struggling to shoot yourself in the foot, basically. Because your heart is still there. It'll bubble out in a different way, even if you get this completely under control. 
It's the bringing our heart to the Lord and saying, my heart, Lord, is full of garbage. It's sinful. It is a matter of heart change, not getting caught. Often we're very repentful and remorseful when we get caught. But that's not the change that takes place. Good example of that in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 24 and 30, those two verses. If you, you read about that, Saul gets caught in his actions of obedience to the Lord. And in the first verse, he says, Oh, Samuel, you're right. I'm sorry. I've sinned against the Lord. And in the 30th verse, he says, You're right. I've sinned. But hey, would you uh, stay here with me and, and, and show that God is still with me because I need the people to know that everything is okay. That isn't a heart change. That's worrying about the consequences of your sin and what all you are going to think. A heart change is, you know, this is who I am. I, you need to know I'm broken, I'm, I'm damaged, and all I have, my only hope is Jesus. i got to deal with my heart. A lack of heart change is I don't want anybody to know. Please don't tell anybody. Can we keep this between us? Who, you and Jesus? Well, possibly, but more than likely, you're going to need to come to the point where you can go, you know what, I once was A, but Jesus set me free. I was totally blown away. We had a, uh, you know, growing up, running out of time, but uh, learning to follow Jesus in my 20s when I was on the mission field, and we had this one uh, preacher, love the guy, uh, he's probably 20 years older than me. Uh, his name is Anthony Marquise. Just uh, um, a humble man of God, you know, just loving the Lord. And we were in Bible school. I went to Bible school in Russia, and he was teaching. And he comes in and he goes, you know what, guys? I need to tell you, without Jesus, I was and would be an adulterer. I committed adultery. And if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd probably still be doing it. But I recognized my sin, and I gave him this. And he, he went and he told the story. He was a truck driver, and it's a funny story, and maybe it'll help you too, because he was a, <laughs> it's the way the Lord confronted him. Beautiful story. He's in a truck, and he sees this uh, uh, convertible and this woman driving in just long, blonde hair just flying in the wind. And he's like, oh, I got I to gotta get my eyes on see what this girl looks like, you know. So he speeds up his truck till he gets... You know, and he gets right up and he looks down and it's a guy with a beard. <laughs> and instantly the Lord put his finger on his heart and said, when are you going to deal with this? Because this is killing you. It's killing your marriage. It's killing your ministry. It's killing. And the Lord just went through it. And that was the cutting point where he made the decision. Okay, Lord, I'm going to get on ring number two and I'm going to mourn for what I've done. The difference between David and Saul, David in Psalms 51, it's a great chapter to read. You want to see the mourning of the heart. Psalms 51, David says, creating me a clean heart. You know, it's against you and you alone have I sinned. It's the recognition. There ain't nobody to blame. I can only blame myself. I have sinned. I am wrong. My heart is evil. Creating me a clean heart, Lord. There's no shortcut around that, guys. 
You can avoid it for years, but you'll be to be hanging there on ring number one. Hopefully you'll stay on ring number one and not give up. Well, this Jesus does nothing for me. Well, yeah, he can't because you haven't dealt with your heart. Don't shortchange Jesus' work in your life. You're not a victim of sin. No one owes you anything. You just bring your sin to the Lord. A lot of times in uh, counseling, uh, you'll run into situations when you're talking to somebody and it is, um, the problem is all with person B. Whatever it is, whatever relationship it is, whether it's a marriage or coworkers or anything, you know, the problem is all in person B. I can't, I have a problem with my mother-in-law and it's all her fault. You know, but if you, in counseling, if all you talk about is that other person, you're not going to get anywhere. Because all we do is sit around and have a gossip fest about how person B is bad, right? I mean, and there's no change. There's no, yeah, well, what's your, cut them off. <laughs> there's my advice to you, just cut them off. Have no, you know, and of course that's not godly, you know. So what we try to do and what I try to do to myself is to go back to, okay, let's talk about, let's put person B on the shelf, but let's talk about person A. What in person A needs to change? And that's hard. But that's what this is. Because if you change, man, if I'm sitting there waiting for person B to change so that I change, even if person B becomes the absolute saint, that doesn't mean that I'm going to. I've got to deal with person A, me. I have to deal with my heart, my problems, my doubt, and, and move forward. So spiritual mourning, it's important to realize it's blessed because it is infused with hope. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. There is hope that comes with mourning. It isn't just, I'm going to beat myself up for the next 40 years and then I die and, and receive Jesus. No, it is, I'm honest with the Lord. My heart is evil. Jesus, come in, because I know that you are able to change it. It is the hope that comes with because of Jesus. Jesus, come and live in me so that I, I, I change. I want to deal with this, Lord. I don't want to be this way. I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting my spouse. I'm hurting my family. I'm hurting those I love. I, I, want, to, I want to change, Lord. Deal with my heart. That's that morning. Then your promise is you will be comforted. The Holy Spirit will be there and will lead and uh, will... Uh, Reveal Jesus. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. That was a great, and it worked out really well to do the thing where the Holy Spirit, I mean, she had asked last week, can I do this? And I was like, yeah, sure, you know, because I want to see, I want you guys to see what they're doing down in children's church, you know. It isn't children's care, it's children's church. They're showing them Jesus and revealing and teaching them at a level that they can understand. So in the same way, it is that way. So if you're in the midst of mourning and all it is doing is leading to despair, that's not God. If there's despair, it isn't Jesus. Now, if there's despair of sin and you see that, but then uh, you, you're like, I despair of myself, but I see Jesus. Okay. But if all you're doing is I despair of myself and, oh, I'm in the depths of despair and nothing's ever going to change. It's all horrible and... 
There's a famous uh, line by Lucy Maud Montgomery. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She wrote the Anne of Green Gables series. She was a pastor's wife in Canada. Anne of Green Gables, Anne of Avonlea. So there's this great line that she writes in Anne of Green Gables that she says, uh, the, the character says, to despair is to turn your back on God. And it's absolutely, it's totally scriptural. Totally true. Because despair, if you remain in despair, if you remain in the mourning of how bad I am, all you're doing is lifting up and idolizing. Oh, my sin is so great. My sin is so big. My sin is so bad. I am bad. That's all you're doing is you're worshiping your sin. Who wants to do that? I, I don't. I want to say, yeah, I'm bad, Lord. Here, here, if you can do something with this junky heart, you go right ahead. <sighs> Change it, Lord. I don't want to have this thing in me. So you see your depravity and you look to Jesus. Paul says it this way in uh, Romans chapter 7. Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to save me of the, from this body of sin? And gladly it doesn't end there. It goes on and says, I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. So I see my wretchedness, but I go, Woo, yes, Jesus. It causes me to love Jesus more. Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners, but he also said, by God's grace, I am what I am. Oh, it's noon. Oh. Bless you, Lord. I got to finish this, guys. I'm sorry. What blessing is for those who mourn? When you mourn, there are blessings that come. The first is that you're going to see and you're going to feel his love. I think in the first one, you get an aspect of his love, but you don't really see his love and feel his love until you begin to get honest with where your heart is. When I see that I am hurting myself and hurting others, yet he still loves me. Then I'm like, wow, you forgave me for all of this that I am? Then you're really open to his love and you begin to see and experience. Remember when he said that um, the, the more you uh, are forgiven, the more you'll love? Once you have experienced mourning for yourself, as you grow in Christ, you will begin to mourn for others. And you'll see this. You won't, I mean, there'll be times when the Lord puts his finger on stuff and you deal with it. But the majority of your time, you'll be mourning for others. Like right now, I mourn for Russia. I mourn for all of the young men that are dying, the Russian soldiers and the Ukrainian civilians and soldiers that are dying. I mourn for them that the sin of these leaders is bringing about the shedding of innocent blood. I mourn for that. Because I see the sin and how it's affecting and that hurts my heart. We mourn over personal sin. We mourn over family sin. We mourn over race, cultural, or national sin. We mourn over sin in the world. And we ask Jesus, Jesus, come, show your love, bring, bring your plan. Forgive us when we've been a part of this. Because I can look at that, 
I can look at what Zelensky and Putin are doing, and I can go, wow, those guys are idiots. Or I can go, you know what, Lord, I see how evil in their heart and how they got in a disagreement and neither one of them will back down, and there's hurt now and there's offense, and I can bring it down to my level. When have I walked out that way with people in my leadership? And I mourn over that. I mourn over mistakes that I've done. Lord Jesus, I messed up when I handled that situation at my level. You know, if we both had armies, we'd probably be fighting each other. You ever been in a church split? You ever been involved and part of the church split? Instigated the church split? You know, that's basically what Putin and Zelensky are doing. They're in a church split, relationships, nations, except they have bombs and they're killing each other instead of talking through the issues. So the mourning gets down to the personal level of am I doing and walking out and do I see how this touches me where I am, not just judging. You know, when I say mourning, that's what I'm talking about. Oh Lord, forgive us. Forgive us as humanity that we fail to love one another, that we fail to bring Jesus, that we're willing to sacrifice blood to be right. Forgive us that we're willing to cut off relationships so that I can be right about the color of the carpet in the church. You know? It's the same thing. There really is no difference. When you walk in mourning, you carry the hope of redemption wherever you go. And I am, I'm finishing up, guys. I just needed to make these last three points. I needed it to be clear and to finish up what I was saying. When you walk in mourning... This blessed are those who mourn for they will come. You are actually carrying the hope of redemption wherever you go. Because you will honestly be able to say, I understand you. And it's not a judgmental, not a religious, ooh, well, you need to jump on that first ring because you need Jesus. It's honestly, man, I've been there. I've been in the midst of, of marriage problems. I've been in the midst of not knowing how to deal with my adult children. I've been in the midst of, of being mad at my siblings, being mad at my parents. I've been in the midst of all of this. And you mourn it and you, you deal with it and you can say, this is how Jesus touched my heart. This is how Jesus changed my heart to be able to walk in this situation. And you carry that hope of redemption and people look at you and they go, there's something different about you. I can tell you what it is. It's Jesus. That's what's different. It's not my religiosity. It's not my club membership. It's not how disciplined I am in reading the Bible. What's different about me is Jesus. Because I said, Jesus, here's my junk. If you could do something with it, please do. And he said, absolutely, I can. Here's my heart. And I'm like, yeah, Lord, I'll take it any day. And I'll walk around with your heart. And then people see that and they go, wow, you got a good heart. No, I got Jesus. I got Jesus. And you can have it too. He'll change your heart. Mourning allows us to get that heart of Jesus. Mourning is painful, guys. The Holy Spirit comforts us by giving us Jesus. It's real simple. He comforts us by giving us Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let me close by reading this verse. I can tell you the Chiefs are winning anyway.
you know what, I'm going to save this for next week and I'll build on this. And um, I, think it, I think it's clear enough this morning from where I want to go. We'll talk more about Jesus being revealed by the Holy Spirit and how he brings comfort. But this first step is just really going to the Lord. And it'd be good to sit down with the Lord and say, okay, am I running away from you? Are there, are there areas where I'm ignoring, you know, that I really need to do some mourning? Show me, merciful, mercifully, show me where my heart is so that I can mourn and be more like you and then reveal yourself to me. Let me pray over you this morning. Father, I thank you, Jesus, that you love us and that you speak to us like you did this morning. You speak to us individually. You speak to us corporately. You confirm your word. Thank you, Jesus, for it. I pray, Lord, that as we come to you, Lord, that you would lovingly put your fingers on areas, Father, but mercifully, Lord, uh, help us to bear and help us to deal with our hearts, Lord. Help us to mourn in healthy ways and to see you, Lord Jesus, to mourn with hope. Jesus, reveal yourself in a new way, Father, and then come take possession of our hearts, Lord, in a fuller way today, Lord. I thank you, Father, for it. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful body. Bless them, Lord, as they go out this week. Jesus, let your glory fill, like we read in, in uh, uh, Psalm, uh, wherever it was, <laughs> Psalm 57, I think. Uh, let your glory fill every area of their at. Wherever they go, let your glory fill that area, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father, for it and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.